This is Resonance 104.4 FM. Flipping marvellous, of course. I'm Nick Hennigan. Uh, this is Literary London. How you doing? Uh, and we've got an interesting, an interesting uh, chat this week, because, of course, it's World Book Day uh, recently. Um, and uh, I was... Uh, Looking through some bookshops down on the Charing Cross Road, and I came across a beautiful book. In fact, I just mentioned it there, Dylan Thomas, and it was um, from the Folio Society. So um, I'm very pleased to have with me Tom Walker, who's your sort of head honcho, are you? What's your role with the Folio Society? Uh, I'm, I'm publishing director, so I, I'm, I'm head of the I'm head of the good bit. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Um, and just so just we're going to talk about books and we're going to talk about uh, you a little bit as well what you know where you came from and what you're up to but just tell us what what the folio society is and what you do uh, so it's been it's it's been going since um 1947 um it started off as a book club um sort of post-war around the same time that penguin started with their paperbacks um our founder charles Leeds started publishing really beautifully produced books in the kind of tradition of the private presses of the sort of early to early 20th century um it was a very small little book club a, a few hundred few gradually a few thousand worldwide members um and it and it grew into it grew into quite an organization it grew in you know we've, we've had around 100 to 200,000 members over the years um we publish 60 to 70 books every year now um they're all classic books of, of one sort um non-fiction fiction children's poetry um pretty much the full gamut the, the breadth of uh, our publishing is, is is a bit dizzying when you're trying to make the decisions about what to publish um but the thing which unifies them is is that they're they're, they're always really beautifully produced and um, our standards are, are really exceptionally high we commission illustrations we commission new introducers we go to we go to great lengths to to make them the, the finest possible editions and we hopefully achieve that now and then yeah, so I suppose really that's the question. So the the kind of the the model for the business is is just to make beautiful books. <laughs> <laughs> well, the model for the business is to is to find an audience for beautiful books. Um, I mean, partly it's it, it's not just beautiful books; it's illustrated books. Um, hmm. Books which have a specific design element, um, whether it's whether it's picture research on nonfiction or whether it's commissioning new illustrations on fiction or. Or, or working with craft um, with craftspeople. We just published a, a book of Sappho's poetry, the Anne Carson translation, with um, in letterpress with with Jenny Holtz's artwork on the front and as a frontispiece. So there's a, a full kind of range of things that you can do with the book. Um, but yes, the, the the thing that we try to bring to them is is some kind of aesthetic surprising element. Yes, and 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 so I mean you've touched on it a little bit, but how do you decide what you're going to produce <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I, honestly i still don't know I've, I've been in this job for about three years um i still don't really know I, partly we um have a huge number of very active readers um who tell us what they'd like and that is for me the best the best the best way um if if enough people write write in email in contact us via social media we've got very um we have a we have a very engaged audience and they they tell us what they'd like we ask them if we, you know, we come up with lists. I come up with with a list of um, cult books or poetry or um, science fiction titles or whatever it is that I think might be suitable for the folio list. Um, then there are books that we we've never done. There are books which are hitting a zeitgeist. There are um, there are genres which we were which were kind of newly exploring. And I, mean, I don't think we've published much science fiction before 2013, but now it's it's a fairly high proportion of our list. So. Um, 
so it, it changes every year um it partly changes on a whim it's partly it's partly just <laughs> books that i really really like or someone in my someone at folio society really really likes um that's for me that's kind of the main the, the most important thing is that someone someone it doesn't always have to be me but someone at folio society has to has to love the book or love the potential for what we can do for that book um if we publish something where other people have told us but we're not quite convinced ourselves it doesn't tend to work you have to it takes a lot of energy and effort to make to make to make a to make a book really work to make every single tiny element of it work and match up um and that needs to come from a from an initial passion i think so yeah yeah, and, and you've been working with some fairly uh, leading figures as well. I noticed in the the stuff they sent me earlier: Stephen Fry, Frank Skinner, Margaret Atwood, and Will Self. Uh, is that is that an element? Is is that a way of just increasing the attractiveness of what you're doing with introductions from these sort of people? Yeah, I mean, I, I think introductions is a really interesting one. We um, because the, I mean, some people don't like introductions at all. Some people prefer introductions to either not be there or be at the back of the book. Um, but for for some people, you're you're making a new connection. Um, I think what we what what we're doing with all of our books is is making something new uh, out of out of a pre-existing text. You're 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 bringing that to a new audience, and you've got to do something new in order to do that. Um, often that's illustration or book design, but it can be it can be the right introduction, which just which just appeals to a, a new audience. Um, I mean, I've, I've commissioned Patty Smith to write on Wuthering Heights. I've commissioned an astronaut to write about uh, Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles, um, and I've commissioned Frank Skinner to write about um, uh, about Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. So, it, it, it's it's the odd connections that I really like. Um, like in life, I think people from different fields often have unusual perspectives, um, and they'll say something new about a book which might have been around for two thousand years. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. And so what about you? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we've all got to have jobs, haven't we? And yours sounds like a jolly good job, let me tell you. Uh, have you always been a, a book fan? Because you're a, you're a Midlander originally, are you? Yeah, I'm from Shropshire. Um, I am, as many people keep on telling me, a Shropshire lad. Um, yeah, <laughs> brought up in Shrewsbury and, um, yeah, now, now, live in, now live in London. Um, I came to, I mean, I came to Folio. I think the reason why I stayed at Folio, I was thinking about this last night, I, the reason why I've stayed is because I think I've always been quite romantic about the the physical connection. Yeah. Look, I I've always had a a sense that even, whether it's a sort of tatty copy of um, Dick Francis or one of my sister's copies of Mallory Towers when I was ten, or or whether it's The Hobbit or The Secret History or The Iliad, that I have a I have a sense that the the physical copy that I had made a connection somehow to the words inside. Um, and and I think that's quite a, I think that's quite a romantic, um, <laughs> probably quite a niche thing. But you know I think it's the difference between people who get a book and immediately smell it, and people who get a book and immediately read it. I'm 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 one of those who will smell it first and and read it afterwards. Um, so Folio for me is, is is a perfect place to be because we are dealing always with the finest incarnation of of, of books that I love. So um, so it's 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 really it's really exciting I mean, it's really challenging as well working always working publishing trying to trying to make um work commercially is, is always is, is always going to be difficult um but it's it's really fun for me finding finding new audiences um folio's got this amazing history of being a book club and it's got a 
um, it, it, it's, it's, it's had a fantastic audience over the years through that, but now we're finding um, a, a completely a different and a new audience through, through different, diff, different media, through social media, um, and they like different books. But the thing which connects them, luckily, um, is that they like great books. So as long as we carry on publishing great books, uh, we'll be able to appeal to all these different people. Um, but it's yeah, trying to understand what what someone in um, in Australia might like as well as someone in Scotland, um, and to to publish poetry and nonfiction and fiction is uh, it is it makes me feel like I'm skimming the surface of the literary world all the time. But it's it's um, it's dizzying but great fun. Yeah, I get that. I'm a book smeller too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and we, and we, we get lots of writers uh, who uh, get in touch and who, who listen to uh, Literary London, thankfully. Um, and of course, we've talked a lot about uh, e-publishing and, and the rise of the, the e-book. I, in a sense, you're, you're sort of almost the antithesis of that, but you're using, you're using a lot of the, the, the modern kind of ways of communicating with people. So what's, I hardly need ask, what's your kind of take on the, on the e-book and the rise of Kindle? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, as you say, we're, we're, we're one of the most digital of publishers in the way that we in the way that we find our audience. Most publishers, um, most publishers sell their books in, in bookshops. It's very rare to, to publish entirely online, as as, as the Folio Society does. Um, so we are, in one way, um, technologically advanced, um, and on the other, we're I think fitting into what has been a. Um, a pretty stable paradigm now for, for about 10 years or so after after the um the inception of, of ebooks when a lot of people were very worried about what that would do to the book market probably in the same way that people were worried about paperbacks what they would do to the hardback market um but i think we as publishers have all found that there is space for both there's space there's space for all of those things um and i've always felt that that ebooks have been an opportunity for for us for for book design in general um, and actually, I think I think it really has been. I think book design over the last ten years, post ebooks, has become sensational across the board, not just at Folio. I think what we do is 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 hopefully the, the pinnacle of that. We you know we, we spend we devote all of our attention to that. Um, but I think general book design. If you go into a bookshop now, paperbacks, hardbacks are, are sensationally good. They're they're very well designed. And part of that is a consequence of, of ebooks and a response to it. And a way to make sure that people carry on buying the physical book. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's <clears throat> the, the, if uh, it, yeah, design for for online books has to be very very snappy and sharp, doesn't it? That's how people will will sort of decide what they're doing. Um, and do you do you write yourself? He said. I, I don't write myself. I write. I write. Um, well, I mean, we have an awful lot of communication with with our with our readers um, through through letters. Um, I I will I will uh, my signature has probably been copied digitally. <laughs> 30 million times. Um, so I, I write quite a lot of, of, of copy at Folio um, describing, describing our books and trying to, trying to entice people towards them um, and inform them about them. But um, I try not to, <laughs> try not to um, waste paper by, by writing too much personally. It, it, <laughs> go down very well. <laughs> <I'm not pretty laughs> 
I think a few of us could relate to that as well. So, um, and and so, uh, let me just introduce you again. We're uh, talking to Tom Walker, who is the publishing director. That's right, isn't it, for the Folio yeah. Society? Uh, I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Resonance 104.4 FM. A flipping marvellous. I must just say hello, hello, Christina in West London, who um, who wrote to me about uh, the Australian song that we played. It's a version of Waltz and Matilda. Bear with me, Tom. Get a bit gr- get a bit weird out of here. This is uh, this is Resonance after all. Um, yeah, so Christina, thank you. Thank you for your comments. Hello to, where are we? Kath in uh, San Francisco on the beach again. I don't believe it. But oh, no, you tell me you are. That's fine. You're on the beach again. Uh, listed on the beach, uh, which is uh, which is fantastic. California, that's right. Kath from California. Um, and also, don't forget, if you'd like to get in touch, you can. Uh, probably the easiest way is via email. Uh, that's radio at mavericktheatre.com. Dot co dot uk, uh, radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk. Uh, and if, you, uh, if you're listening live, hello. If you're listening to the repeat, hello for a few days ago. And if you're listening to this online, you can catch it not only at Resonance, but also on the londonliteraryPubcrawl.com podcast webpage. <sighs> LondonLiteraryPubCall.com. This is a podcast webpage, uh, and uh, all of the radio shows that I've done are, are on there. Going back years, I tell you, years and years. Um, so I'm talking to to, uh, to Tom Tom Walker, publishing uh, editor of the Folio Society, which, as we've already mentioned, are these beautiful, beautifully um, uh, well, illustrated, beautifully presented books. Um, I've got to ask you, Tom, have you got a favourite book? <laughs> Ooh, that's that's surprisingly hard. Um, no, I don't think I do. I think my I think my favourite book changes almost weekly, um, and almost entirely depends on, on on what I've just read. If I love it, that's that becomes my favourite book. I probably I, I I do really really like. I'm probably most moved in my life by by reading Chekhov, by reading his stories. Mm-hmm. Um, if so if I had if a desert island book, it would be a, a huge selection of his stories. Brilliant. And we've had a, 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 an email from Joanne, who is in Bromley, not too far from where you lurk, I think, Bromley. And she said, I'm thinking of a career in publishing. How should I start? I'm at university studying English. I think the way that a lot of people start is through doing work experience now. It's certainly how I started. Um, and if you write to um, write to the editorial directors, or depends depends which department you want to work in, but write to the department heads of um of as many publishers as you can find, go by the Independent Alliance. They've got some fantastic publishers in there, uh, and all of the uh, all of the big ones, HarperCollins, um, Random House, um, uh, and then try and get some work. Try and get a couple of weeks in in house working across departments. I mean, for me, that was that was what drew me to publishing because I had just had some wonderful conversations. Then um, people are very open in publishing. People are always always open to new ideas being a young person in publishing is, is, is amazing because everyone everyone's desperate for your ideas <laughs> um and you you tend to do a very diverse kind of job um it all almost all areas of publishing it's it's a very varied um it's a very varied job my, my day is never the same um and it's always it's always pretty exciting so yeah no, I, I definitely recommend it it's a great it's a great career and so how did you start then is that what you did you sort of left university and then just started to write write to publishers what was, what's yeah. your what's your story? <laughs> yeah, I, I I wrote to um, I, I ended up writing to um, John Murray, um, who was a publisher that I'd, that I'd heard of. They they published um, they published I think Austin, 
and Darwin. I might be wrong. <laughs> they, they published some extraordinary sort of 17th, 19th, 18th century names. Some of the greats of literature, kind of up to Patrick Lee Fermor. Anyway, they they, um, they were taken over by by a, a great big umbrella um, company called Hachette. Um, and so they're working under their auspices. And, and I went to work there, and it was it was a fascinating place. Just really very very friendly people, and a great for me. Um, you had a very kind of uh, very old fashioned style of publishing and a very new style of publishing side by side, um, and they were compatible and they were um, they were they were and are really successful publishers. So um, ever since then, I've, I've just been trying to get as close to that as I as I can. And um, I worked at in Oxford uh, Elsevier for a few years, um, and then I worked at Folio. Um, I've been there for twelve years. I started as editorial assistant and I've um, worked my way up to editorial director. Wow, good for you. So it was tea boy initially. You've got to be prepared for a bit of making the tea. Is that still true? Yeah, I think so. I think that probably is true. Um, but uh, being being a kind of being in that position at a at a publisher is is quite fun. Um, <laughs> well, you'll you'll sometimes be making the tea for Margaret Atwood. It, it's, um, <laughs> it's it's a bit more fun than making the tea for. Um, Whoever, yeah. I, I also go, I go to the London Book Fair. I've been there for the last couple of years with my little trusty microphone. Uh, and I'm always struck by what a, a massive corporate event it is. And yet, generally, I mean, actually, the big publishers won't talk to me without appointments. But generally, the people that I bump into, and of course, there's always the pub afterwards, are just uh, are, are kind of lovely people. I mean, just n- nice people which i know is a strange thing to say but i, I can i can, i just just from that 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 once a year experience you kind of get a sense that that uh that there's some there's some good people in that biz yeah i think that's right i mean you don't go into publishing because you want to make money or or have a um and that that kind of side of, of career you can't you can, you can do that um but people tend to go into publishing because they really like books and if you like books you tend to have um you tend to like people i think there is there is a pretty strong correlation there um and you tend to like engaging conversations so yeah it's a it's a great it's generally it's a great industry to work in yeah yeah well and it's the book fair coming up soon so i'll be there don't you know and there's also one or two people we're talking about and i'm not sure with jules that the news that fairy tales apparently are dying out i'm not sure where the research was done but apparently two-thirds of their parents admit their children have never heard of many of the classics um, uh, I, I don't know why that would be. Maybe Disney's got them all. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Disney. I, I, I saw the same research. Um, I think Disney's reinterpreted them all. Um, I guess from sort of Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella onwards, and, and probably most children see incarnations of of, of um, medieval fairy tales on film before they see them before they read them in the books. But um, for me, I, I, it doesn't worry me. It, that that particular statistic doesn't trouble me too much. The thing that worries me is children not reading. Um, I don't really mind what they read. An updated version of a, of a fairy tale seems like a very sensible thing to to be reading. I mean, anything from Harry Potter to Winnie the Pooh to um, Stick of the Dump, they, they all carry elements of, of, of ancient fairy tale traditions within them. Um, and if they engage children in, in the act of reading, then it's, it, for me, that's good. That's that's what you need. Um, and a lot of the fairy tales, that, that as originally written, Grimm, etc., were, were very dark and not for children. Mm. Uh, so they've always had, and they were originally very often, uh, uh, they, they were verbal, they were, they were read or sung. Um, so they always have different incarnations. They have always have different versions of those tales. So for that version to be, to be updated and modernised, I, I don't see a problem in that. 
Yeah, I guess I, I remember someone getting excited about Harry Potter, obviously, because Harry Potter's now Harry Potter, but they were saying it's actually got a lot of boys starting to read, uh, younger boys were yeah, reading. I, yeah, it got an entire generation reading, didn't it? Which was which was amazing. I mean, the, all the stuff around World Book Day at the moment um, is still responding to, to the fact that still one in eight um, children don't don't own a book. Um, that's, <laughs> I find that's very, I find that very... You know, that, that's really worrying. And it, it makes things like World Book Day all the more important. Um, and it makes working in publishing um, you know, feel good because that's helping children read at that age is, is, is a great thing for them personally, for us as a society. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty pro reading. Yeah, well, absolutely. Why, why do you think? I mean, have you got any ideas why that statistic is, is so low? Why it's only one in eight children, uh, uh, that have a book. Um, I think there is there's a very strong link to poverty, isn't there? I think um, the World Book Day has helped. Um, they, they get a book out um, via schools, via book tokens. Um, and my understanding is that in the last two or three years, they, they've reduced that dramatically. Um, but I guess we still have a long way to go, partly because you have... Um, uh, you, there's an awful lot of other options, other other entertainment options available, and it probably is easier for a lot of people to or or a choice to um, watch telly or film instead of instead of reading books. Um, but what I like about reading books, particularly at, at that early age, the kind of primary school pre preschool age, is that it's a collaborative experience. It's it's between the adult between between the adult and the child. And talking through books, talking about books, talking about images on a page, talking about what, what, what it means, answering their, their relentless questioning of why is that happening, why is that happening, that enlivens, their, uh, enlivens kids' brains and it allows them to empathise with, with people, with characters, it allows them to understand the groundworks of narrative and it means that they're having conversations with their, with their, um, with their parents and with, with their teachers and all of those things are going to put, set them in good stead for, for, for later life. And they do. The, the, um, all of the evidence shows that reading is, is one of the key um, drivers for, for success in later life. Yeah, I suppose, again, that, that perhaps the rise of the tablet uh, and the smartphone that tends to go to bed with children now, perhaps, rather than books, may have, may have something to do with it. Oh, I guess perhaps it's too early to tell, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess it is. I mean, I know that I'm... I'm liable to that as well i definitely will take an ipad to bed as often as i will take a book but um i know that it's not good for me and <laughs> i know that I, I would prefer a book i suppose yeah on the positive side i suppose perhaps you've got the fact you've got kindle again going back to the ebooks means that uh, they might take a book with them on their iphone um christine uh, christine has been uh, sorry no kelly kelly's been in touch from chelsea she says what's your favorite part of london we often ask people this because you're so you're originally from shrewsbury and then yeah. you went to Oxford and worked in Oxford for a while. When when did you come to London? Was that was that for work? Uh, that was that was for work. Um, I was kind of following my wife, um, uh, and still still um, following my wife. Um, my favorite my favorite part of London now is is Sydenham. I really really like where I am now because I'm right next to a wood, and being from Shropshire, and being able to live in London but next to a wood is amazing I, I, I think it's extraordinary London just has such a, a, a an amazing kind of a, um, biodiversity as well as diversity of people and all these other things so uh, for me Sydney is really really fun I'm, I'm enjoying exploring I've only lived here for a year so yeah and your offices are, are in uh, sort of London Bridgeway aren't they 
the folio offices. It's actually my, one of my other new favourite. The offices of folio were for about um, 30 years in, in central Hoburn, which is a big place to work. Really very fun and very Dickensian. Um, uh, and, and all the beautiful ends of court around there and, and busy and messy, proper proper city, central city. And then we moved to um, right next to Tower Bridge, Shad Thames, Butler's Wharf. Um, and it's, it's, it's wonderful there. Um, it's kind of the reaches, it's the reaches of the Thames and where London um, city sort of ends and London residential begins. And, and the Thames is just huge. It's so wide at that, at that stage. And you've got... You've got all of the tourists, and you've got um, the tower, the tower itself, London, the Tower of London itself, um, and the mayor's office. It's, it's a it's a really fun place, and there's some great pubs around there, um, and there's some very nice walks around there as well. So yeah, I, that is also. <laughs> I'm lucky. I live in a great place, and I work in a great place. Yeah, Shad Thames is quite remarkable, isn't it? If you've not been there before, you should go and check it. Check it out. Um, one, of the, one, of the, one of the places that I often take, uh, um, as we do a thing called the London Literary Pub Crawl. It doesn't actually go that far. It's mainly in Soho and Fitzrovia. Uh, but occasionally we'll take people out during the Shakespeare's Birthday Tour, which we also do. Um, we'll take them around Shad Thames because it is quite remarkable. Those The buildings and the, the architecture of it. Uh, it's remarkable. Uh, Roger said, uh, Roger's in, uh, these questions came in earlier as a result of my little Twitter thing. Uh, Roger, who, I can't see where Roger is at the moment, but he said, homeworking, good or bad? <laughs> I suppose this is the notion of working from home generally. And uh, uh, I think he's referring to the commute as well. For me? Or, I'm working at home yeah. at the moment, so I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so is it something that the company uh, sort of has embraced I, I think homeworking works in general. I've got a team of people, some of whom, uh, one, of, one of whom works in, uh, lives in Cambridge and works from home now and then um, and commutes in three days a week. I've, I've, I've lived in Oxford and, um, and worked in London. So I know, I know that having a four-day four day week in the office works well and working at home for one day a week. I think it, partly it does depend on, on what your home is like. Um, <laughs> I have a three-year-old, so working at home is... I wouldn't work at home if she was anywhere near. Uh, so working from home generally means working in a cafe. And if you can find a cafe with really good music where you can concentrate, then I actually find I can get more work done there. Yeah. Yeah, I quite like the, the, the whole democracy of the gig economy. I know it's, society is changing quite rapidly, isn't it, with technology? But I do, I quite like that as well myself. Um, and so, what's uh, basically what, what's what's the future for the Folio Society then? So, as we mentioned before, you make these, these beautiful books. Uh, what uh, what you got up your sleeve for later on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always kind of so we plan sort of two or three years ahead. Um, so I'm always thinking about. So I'm not really even allowed to talk about it at the moment. But I, yeah. I think we're, what we're doing at the moment, um, which is trying to find a uh, within the sort of sixty or so books that we do, um, we do some very high priced, exceptional, limited editions, and we do this range of sort of um, science fiction, children's poetry. Um, classic fiction, modern fiction. I think that range will continue because I think people will continue in 10 years' time, in 30 years' time, people will be reading fundamentally the same things. I, was, I read Tenet of Wildfell Hall the other day for the first time. We're definitely going to be publishing books like that. But we're also, I mean, one of the, my, the thing which, the book which I think best exemplifies fairly at the moment is, um, is a couple of books by Neil Gaiman, um, as Nancy Boys, which we only published in this last month. And, and it's it's such a beautiful, beautifully made book. It's crafted by this artist, um, a Detroit-based artist, Francis Vallejo. Um, and it's, it's a great comic um, fantasy 
by a really really brilliant contemporary writer and it's got a great introduction by Nala Hopkinson and and all of those things make this make for such a joyful experience of, of reading that book um so long as we can keep getting those elements right getting the illustrations right getting to the level of detail that that other fellow book obsessives really love then then i think we'll be doing we'll be doing similar things in 10 years time and um, probably with similar types of books yeah, fantastic. As I say, I've got a very good Dylan Thomas under Miltwood on my shelf at the moment, which is uh, which is which I picked up in a second-hand bookshop actually on Charing Cross Road. So, uh, <laughs> suggestions for any? I mean, if you ever have any suggestions for books, or your listeners do, I'd um, I'd always be listening. Which brings us nicely to uh, how can how can we get in touch with you, or if people want to know more about the Folio Society, where should we go? Uh, you can go. I th- you can definitely go via the website. But um, if you want to, you can just email me. It's tomw@foliosociety.com. I, I, I really do love listening uh, and uh, hearing from and communicating with with readers. Um, it's where ideas come from throughout all the ideas. So um, yeah, do feel free to get in touch. So tomw@foliosociety.com. That's me. Oh, brilliant! Thanks, Tom. And uh, and all the website is what is it? Presumably, Folio Society dot com or something that is exactly correct <laughs> yes sharp me ah oh, cutting edge of technology oh well thank you very much tom walker who is the uh, publishing director for the folio society thanks for your time mate very kind of you um i hope you had a happy uh, world book day man <laughs> and you like it's gonna be like christmas isn't it now? Yeah, happy world book day and uh, perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll speak again that would be, be very good. Thank See, thanks, Tom. Uh, that's it for me. I'm Nick Hennigan. This is Residence 104.4 FM. Uh, next week, ah, all sorts of stuff. I'll see you then. <laughs>